Like a deer in the headlights or gum in your hair, what got you here will not get you there. Join us as business owners get unstuck in real time on the business building struggles we all share. Welcome to the Business Breakthrough Podcast. And here's your host, Esty Rand. So I'm curious, what is your fee structure? Do you, because it sounds like you operate on the one hand, like a, like a financial planning company. And then you have the split company, which is almost like a consultancy. Um, and we do like some of that stuff as well, but marketing is definitely probably half of what we do. And then we do, when we do our full business strategy and overall, so I teach five pillars, right? right. Um, passion, strategy, marketing systems, financials. Gotcha. That's, I try to keep it simpler. So like for me, sales goes into marketing, legal okay. goes into operations finance is finance. Um, when I teach micro startups, leadership is a little less important. <laughs> when we get up to the larger scale, it's more important. Um, but this is kind of my like, you know, five things to go from zero to money in your pocket steadily. Yeah. So let me, I'm going to answer your first question first, the fee structure. And I want to come back to that on why we say there's eight, because there's a methodology here. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the fee structure, what we typically do is most financial planning client. Well, every client starts with a personal planning because I can't have you worry about what's happening at home. If we're focusing on growing your net worth, you got to be focused on the business. So my wife calls it pillow money pillow. Like you're putting your head on a pillow. Oh, she's cute. like, I like that. Justin, I, I don't want to have to worry about money while your head's in the business. Show me my future. So we start off with everybody on personal planning. Typically it's like a $300 a month fee for 12 or 18 months, depending on the complexity of the personal plan. So it's not expensive, relatively speaking. If there's assets to manage, then our firm does manage assets like the average financial firm does, like the average financial firm does. Um, we do not compartmentalize. We do not bring people in and say, hey, we're only gonna do planning, you're gonna manage it yourself. The reason for it is most people don't know how to manage money and they don't have the capabilities or the technology for tax and net worth growth. Yeah, if you're gonna, if you're gonna throw money into a Vanguard VIT fund, like a total index stock fund, so be it. That's not our client base. Our client base doesn't wanna worry about their finances. They want to grow their net worth and double it every three to five years. So we have to be either in the driver's seat or not in the driver's seat at all. That's the way we, our company works. So we chart, we, we do go in and do fee only. We, um, we typically don't have commissions in our practice. Um, we work with insurance companies. We work with those other individuals. I just believe as a fiduciary that I, especially as a fee only advisor, that I can't have a, um, a duplicate, uh, an alternative motive of trying to win a trip somewhere or make a huge commission and you never see me again. Okay. Yeah, I said that. Got it. Yeah. So as for all of you listening, right? So, and, and this actually Carl last week also worked um, in the financial advisory world. So he was talking a little bit about this. Um, fee based is a percentage of assets under management. And then commission would be on top of that according to how much money you um, earn for them. So when you talk about fee based only, it means you take a steady percentage. Is it quarterly? Yeah, that's the way most of the industry works yeah. is quarterly. Yeah. Quarterly percentage of assets under management. Um, and that's it whatever you're managing, you get a percentage of it. Um, okay. Got it. That's it's the funny best because way. Carl, I, I love how everyone has their perspective. And I think that's yeah. part of what's so much fun. Like Carl last week was talking about, he, he did it different. He didn't do, he only did a percentage of commissions after the first like four, it was like a whole complicated yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, I'm this a, is more I'm a kid. 
Southerners theory. I'm, I'm a Southerner, right? We have to keep things simple. We're a little slower down here, right? So we got to keep <laughs> it simple for us. So I, I don't know the opinion. Look, you're going to pay us for our knowledge. We're going to do the planning. And that, that typically takes four, five, six meetings over like a four-month period of time. We lose money when we do financial planning. It costs us money to do financial planning from a business perspective. But it's the right thing to do because it puts mom and daddy on the same page and they know where they're going. Assets yeah. under management is stupid, stupid simple. We use a computer program that we pay about a hundred grand a year for to manage the money. Um, it's, it's, it's so easy, but it's behavioral finance so much so that I don't even manage my own money. I don't touch it because I don't want to deal with it because it, it's my money. I'm emotionally attached to it, right? Um, whenever we get into the growing the value, we actually start with an appraisal on the business. So we know what the business is worth. Some of them are nothing. Some of them are worth pretty good. So then we know exactly what you have the appraisal, exactly how to approach those eight key areas. And that fee typically is two to $4,000 a month on a 12, 18, 24, 36 month commitment. Um, just depends on exactly what we have to do and what the business details are. So, you know, on the, on the given year, some a business owner could pay us, uh, twenty to forty thousand dollars, and that's just a rough number off the top of my head. Um, what I always say, and I have no problem saying this, even on a podcast that's evergreen in nature, I tell clients in the office, if I can't save my fee, I refund the difference. I've never had to re give any refund. We always, because what happens is, if someone pays us forty thousand, yes, year one, if that's the number, I use that as a round number, obviously. If they pay us forty grand, not only do they receive the benefit of that forty grand year one, but it's in perpetuity. So the next year they're ahead 40 grand or 80 grand or whatever the number was. So it's like, yeah. So yeah, I've I never love had, it. Never no, had I'm, to I'm totally with you. People say to me sometimes like, I see how do people money have paid you? I'm like, good. Cause every time I work with them, they earn more money. It's very That's simple. Right. They're right. barely paying me a percentage. If I can't 10 X what they spend on me, That's I right. shouldn't be here. That's right. Not worth my time. And yeah. evidently people think I'm worth my time because of some credentials and all that stuff that I have. So um, here's where it gets interesting though, on those eight key areas. Okay. The reason why we go with eight is because that's the appraisal software. If you understand how a business is appraised and how a buyer is going to look at your business and how they're going to dissect your business, then you know exactly what it takes to manipulate the purchase of the sales price. So here's some staggering statistics for you. 80% of businesses never sell. Now this is from the middle market. So the middle market, you and I don't deal a lot with them probably. Middle markets are typically businesses that produce between five or 10 million to $100 million of revenue. There's about 350,000 middle market businesses. In the micro market, which is under five or $10 million of revenue, there's 5.6 million businesses that employ people in the United States, okay? Yeah. If 80% of the middle market businesses never sell, it's actually a higher number for the micro markets. Of course. Because the, the micro markets, who are they going to, who's going to buy, who's going to buy the business and everything centers around you, the owner. So our job is to decentralize the owner. The only way I know how to decentralize the owner is to know how the appraisal software works. And if you know how the way the appraisal software works, you can backwards engineer and say, Hey, Mr. Owner, you're the center of the business now. And you're really good at sales. Let's make you the executive salesperson for right now. And let's move you eventually out of sales where now you truly have a business and not an over risk job. Right. Nice. You actually can have a company that operates without you at present. And you can move on to whatever else. And then you may never want to sell the thing because you may have a dividend at that point that you have a really good low tax bracket on. Totally. I love this. Um, I did business brokerage for a while. So again, I, I, I always try to keep it simpler when I can. So we didn't have any fancy software. Yeah. We, we had like spreadsheets um, and hustling basically. But um, so what I learned in business brokerage was you start with the annual ROI and then you um, move on three key metrics. One is scalability. 
dependence on owner and sheer size. Um, so yeah, and it was specifically micro, I've, I've been hanging out with right. micro businesses and nonprofits all my years. Um, right. That's really my zone where I like to, to be. So these are little, these businesses aren't even doing a million, not even close. I actually sold one business that was doing like 40 K. But, you know, because again, they're tiny, you know, what you're really in essence passing on, you're in essence kind of passing on a job to yeah. someone, but sometimes people want to buy a job and yeah. that's okay, you know, and sometimes you're not, sometimes like owner two that I sold, we were passing on an asset and, and, and it was obviously a much better sell, uh, but occasionally you're just passing on a job and that's cool too, <laughs> to know what you're passing on and being really clear with the buyer. Like, I just want you to know you bought a job, just so you know, <laughs> like if you yeah. wanted a job, you could have gotten one. Instead, you bought one just to make sure you're aware that you paid money for a job. Um, I only sold one like that because I didn't like it. Uh, it hurt. It hurt. Like, it don't hurt. buy a job. Why would you pay money to get a job? Just go get the job. Don't pay money to get the job. Well, and then if you put it this, if you put this statistic back behind it, only 3% of businesses in the middle market actually sell for what the buyer thinks, I'm sorry, what the seller thinks they're worth. Only 16% of businesses actually sell. So then you throw it down to the market, micro market. And here's where it gets sad to me. 80% of the net worth of business owners, this is broad brush, 80% of the business, the business owner's net worth is their business. And this is where I think Wall Street's evil. My personal opinion, feel free to make it church. I'm usually right. <laughs> Joking. That was a joke. <laughs> We're so alike. <laughs> I always say I'm right until you prove me wrong. Okay. So <laughs> Wall Street's idea that I need to take the money out of my company and invest in them doesn't work. But if I'm a business owner and I'm now sitting there throwing all the money back in the company into an asset that statistically is not going to sell and 80% of my net worth is in that asset, which is not going to sell, you're going to work until you die. And I'm sorry, I've sold three businesses. I know what it takes to go through that process. I have a hard time pouring blood, sweat and tears and all the emotional issues that we get as business. I mean, half of us are psycho because we're business owners. I have a hard time spending my entire life and then having to work for the rest of my life in a business and never reaching whatever the dream is that I have. So my purpose in life, if you ultimately don't want to know what drives me in the morning time, why am I still working when I don't have to? It's because I want business owners to realize that this asset, this business can be the horse you ride to retirement. It can be that, but you better make sure that horse is shod right. It's got, doesn't have any rocks in its feet, is brushed before you put the saddle on it. You better make sure that horse is healthy. And I'm most super business Southern. Owners, I've like barely ever touched a horse in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, car, you might want to make sure that with the wheels on the car are good. Cars, I know. Because okay. in LA, a car is legs. You can't even get anywhere without one. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> Sorry. I mean, I, I call cars by color. Someone just asked me earlier. He's like, Esty, if your business was a car, what would it be? I'm like, dude, I know like three cars. I call them by color. He's like, okay, what color car would it be? I'm like teal. That's easy. <laughs> I don't know what color it would be. I just don't know what it would. It would have wheels and doors and a steering wheel. <laughs> gotcha. And it would be teal. That's what gotcha. it would be. Um, yeah, no, okay. so that's what drives me is that business owners, if we're going to pour everything back in the business, it better be sellable. And most businesses aren't sellable. And then it gets really sad if you're depending on the age, because of what happened in 07, 08, or 09, a lot of people didn't retire. And so now we have this huge exodus. Now we have three quarters of businesses are going to try to sell in the next 15 years. Yeah. And no one wants them. Who's going to buy them. And so now no you've them. got all your assets in your business. You're broke. 
because you've been pouring all your assets in your business. So that's why it's like, man, wave the white flag, folks. There's a better way to do this. You can build net worth outside your business. You can do it with the government's money using proper tax planning. I'm not talking about anything nefarious, anything stupid, silly. Using good CPAs, good tax attorneys, and good planners to use the government's money to build your net worth. And at the same time, focus with good consultants to show you how to drive the value of your company up so somebody wants your business. I love it. So I, I need to do like two things at the same time now, but I'm, I'm going to do one first at risk of <laughs> making this a really long episode, which is I want to pick your brain on all these things that everyone tries to sell business owners, right? Let's so do it. Life insurance. Let's, let's do it like really fast. And I bet I can answer it for you. Okay. So the whole life insurance thing that's getting really big now, break it down. It's good. It's not good. Why is it good? When's it good? When's it not good? Because some people swear by it and yeah. some people say it's evil incarnate. Yeah. So I wrote actually my third company is called Financially Simple. And actually that's where my podcast is. Um, I wrote an article about this. You're welcome. Your listeners are welcome to go check this out. It's probably 2000 words on the, on the evils of life insurance. Um, I'm of the opinion that there's no bad insurance. I'm not a Dave Ramsey-esque type person who says only buy term insurance. I would say that for 98% of the population, term insurance makes sense, okay? You buy life insurance for one thing and one thing only most of the time, and that is to cover you in the event of a death. That's the idea behind it. It's not, an, it's not a place to accumulate assets. It's not there. It's good for estate planning purposes, which is where whole life or second to die life policies come into play. But this idea of, of a retirement funded policy that I'm going to take my money and I'm going to throw it over here into a life insurance policy. And now I'm going to build the tax-free account that I can pull the money out tax-free and I can yeah. take my own bank and all those other sales pitches. If you're looking at it holistically, you can accomplish the same thing with lower costs and have more flexibility once you talk, start talking about banking and lending and business growth and uh, creditor protection and all these other things on a state-by-state -state level using other opportunities. Where it came about was in the original whole life policies back in the 80s, they started overfunding policies and then we had to introduce this term called MEC, Modified Endowment Contracts, okay? And then they started going around and messing up the way the MEC policies work with the idea of, hey, you can do all the sales pitches. I'm of the opinion that you don't even look at that strategy until you've done the following, until the majority of your debt is paid for, at least your consumer debt. I'm the opinion that's number one. Number two, until you're maxing out a properly defined retirement plan, like a 401k profit, profit, uh, profit sharing safe harbor cash balance plan that you can put $300,000 a year in if you needed to, depending on your age, up to half a million dollars a year, depending on the age. Why would you even look at an insurance company and put your, put your future behind, I call it a bunch of cigar smoking uh, old white people. Well, sorry, I didn't mean to go racist there. That's just did exactly <laughs> what I said. Put a bunch of you know, cigar smoking old people around the boardroom that says, hey, we're only going to give a 4% or 6% dividend this year or, just, or interest payment this year. That doesn't make any sense to me. I want to be in control of it. So I'm of the opinion you don't even go into those insurance worlds until you've maxed out your retirement accounts that are eligible to you on a properly designed low fee retirement account and your consumer debt is paid for. Now, if you do all that, and there's strategies that you can use. For example, um, my daughter, I have a whole life policy on my daughter. Here's why. There's a strategy for it. I bought it whenever she was a year old. Um, at that time, 529 plans did not provide benefit to um, certain institutions. So we're, I hope my daughter goes to a Christian-based college. Certain 529 plans you can't use for certain colleges because they're not state-approved. 
well, what happens if, like we saw now, a lot of states now offer free tuition for kids. A lot of states now will, what happens if my daughter doesn't go to college? So at the time she didn't have a job, now she does. Now she's an employee of mine and she funds her Roth 401k, okay? With tax-free dollars, by the way. So at that time we were maxing out a very, very low death benefit, high premium policy. And she's got some money, it's variable. So it's in the stock market. It's not in the board's control. So was it the best thing? Probably not. A 529 plan may have been better, but if she decides to go to an institution at that time, which did not accept 529 money, it was a better alternative than a 529 or an UPMA account. Okay, so, so that was so, so much tech speak. Okay, um, so and I, I is, speak I geek, like but them. I apparently don't speak finance geek. So I'm going to summarize that as all of this overfunding life insurance plans I don't as like it. an investment policy. No, and for sure yep. not before you've got your 401k maxed. Yep, I don't like it. Got not it. a big fan of it. Real estate, which is where everyone says, you're not rich. I, I love this. I met someone recently. Um, I was out speaking at LinkedIn Global, and one of the guys I met there was like, Esty. I forgot, he had some kind of wacko statistic. 95% of the richest people in the world, all their money's from real estate. I'm like, dude, did you ever think chicken or egg? <laughs> like, when people get money, they put it in real estate, not people who got money in real estate are naturally rich. Like, there's like a process here. So, a lot of people say, you got money, real estate. Got more money, more real estate. What do you say? Real estate is a good investment, but real estate has to be utilized properly. Um, I have owned over 47 properties in my life. I currently only own my house and, and some timber is all I own right now. I've liquidated all my rental properties, my commercial properties and everything in the last two years. I'm not telling right. anybody to do that. That's not advice. That's just what I personally have done. If you buy real estate properly and you buy it at the right time. So for example, one of my properties I bought in 2003, I didn't sell it till 2018. I made a 1.3% net effect on that over that time period. However, one of my other properties I bought in 2000, I'm sorry, yeah, 2010 and I sold it in 2016, I made a 40% return. And I did it with the bank's money versus my own money. So this idea of, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take it a step further. I'm gonna go cash in my retirement accounts. I'm gonna buy real estate. Nah, stupid, don't do it. Yeah, but if you, as to your point, SD, if you have cash and it's the right time in the market cycle and you can get use somebody else's money and use leverage on your cash, the real estate's not a bad purchase. It has okay. its place. I like that. Um, okay, next question. I'm just gonna fire them at you since I got your brain here to pick. This is fun. Um, you said Wall Street is evil, right? But again, by by way of second and third parties, you've definitely got money in Wall Street. Um, so people who go straight investing in hedge funds, mutual funds, and guys, forget the geek speak because you're gonna get a genius like Justin to help you, obviously, if you do this kind of stuff. Um, but Again, at some point, if you're investing anywhere, your money's landing in the stock market somewhere. So is it just not directly? Like what's... What do I think that's evil about Wall Street? I think there's a lot of hidden fees that the consumer doesn't know about. I see them. I don't see all of them, which even scares me. Okay. So I'm of the opinion that Jack Vogel, who was, you know, the founder of Vanguard and did a great job, he recently passed away this year. I'm the opinion that if you're going to invest and most of us at some point in time, will have money in the wall street in the stock market or in the bond market. And it's one of the, it's one of the truly only passive assets out there it really is. Okay. If you're going to invest in wall street, it's low investment fees low turnover rates. Turnover is how often they change the investments in it. And 
I'm of the opinion that you use big firms that are high quality. So there's a number of names out there that we can name. I'm not for sake of uh, issues here without having to go through a whole compliance bill again. Um, mm. But I'm of the opinion that, yeah, you're going to use, you're going to use wall street as a great way, especially with tax management, especially if you're going to use retirement accounts, things of that nature, maybe 529 plans. I've got clients who have states that give really good tax credit for 529 plans, which is the money you put back for your kids. What ticks me off is that we hear water cooler talk about friends who say, Hey, I just bought this stock and I made a lot of money. Uh, in fact, here's a challenge for you. Next time you anybody who listens to this, next time someone says, Hey, I made a lot of money with the stock, say, great, here's my money. Will you do it for me? And every time they're going to say, uh-uh, no, uh-uh, no, uh-uh, no. Because what they're not telling you is they're not telling you all the time they lost money, which you would see. Totally. Okay, so totally. So, I still remember high school, but in high school, they always have you do this, like follow the stock project in the newspaper, yeah, you know, yeah. and I, I was terrible at it. Again, I'm super risk averse. I already said that. So I'm like, I'm not putting my money in there. Um, although the, the stocks that I've wanted to invest in over the years, I've always been right, but I'm like a couch investor. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm of the opinion that I don't even buy individual stocks. I don't recommend any of my clients do. That may surprise you. I recommend that we use highly diversified portfolios. You leverage yourself out. You don't get over-concentrated. You just use highly diversified portfolios, low-cost ETFs, low-cost mutual fund, and avoid and don't buy individual stocks. That's my personal opinion. I've written articles about articles about that. Financially simple, but that's my personal opinion, and I have a conviction that I built a practice on that is nationally acclaimed. And a lot of business owners, we don't need to be stupid in the market. We are, we need to be risking our business, not in our assets, not in our other businesses that uh, assets outside our business. So that's my opinion on that. I like that. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to pause on the, like this thing, this thing, that thing. Um, because listen, you are clearly super knowledgeable about all of this. You've seen so much success in your business. Someone like you, what do you still struggle with today? You know, <laughs> someone asked me that on another interview that I had happen. My personality, as you might can tell, is extremely dominant. I'm a high D personality. I'm like off the charts D on a disc model. I have very little S or very little I in my, in my life. I am not fun to be around. My idea of fun <laughs> is give me a book, let me go to the woods, and let me look at animals and not even talk to humans, okay? <laughs> that being said, my struggle is people. My struggle is, is trust in people. My struggle, and I heard one person say, one of my clients who's very akin to my personality, he said, you know, if I didn't have customers or employees, I'd have a nice life. <laughs> <laughs> I know so many people who feel that way. <laughs> my struggle is trust. I've gone through pain of lawsuits, seven years, hundreds of thousands of dollars over someone I trusted. I've felt the pain. I know what it's like to have to eat beans and rice literally and cook grilled cheese sandwiches for like a month. I know what it's like to have to figure out how you're going to feed your babies. I know that. And then to take, let's go back. This is prideful. I know, and I apologize in advance, but to take my net worth, my baby that I've created, all my babies and put them in somebody else's hands who causing sick, who, that's a struggle that I have. Now, can it be overcome? Absolutely. You hire the right people. And man, we have an unbelievable team in our organizations. I trust them, but it hasn't come without a lot of internal turmoil. So my biggest struggle for me is handing over, now that I have this trust, handing over control and decentralizing myself, as I've already mentioned, from the business. 
So my goal to, to offset this struggle that I have is next year, I want to take the summer off and not come to the company and see if it grows. And within three years, I want to have this where all I'm doing is public speaking. All I'm doing is writing. All I'm doing is doing the things that I do through Financially Simple. So that's my struggle. I don't know if I can get any more open than that. No, I love that. And I, and I thank you so much for, for opening yourself up like that for us. And, and I think a lot of people feel that way. I know, cause you know, when we work with our businesses that are scaling, um, again, marketing is probably about half of what we do, but for me, marketing is, it's much more than what most people think is marketing. Right. <laughs> it's like 90% exactly. of the business. Um, like the extra little pieces are like the finances, the systems, the operations, the people. Um, but especially when you're a business owner, listen, some business owners, um, and, and I find this fascinating, I'm sure you've met them, they're not uber competent. Like, I'm sorry, I'm just gonna say it like that, right? They, um, they're not. And so they hired a supplement and they're, they're genius business owners, but they can't do almost anything that their people can do. And that's kind of one model in business. And I feel like the other model, people like you and me and so many others that I work with in the service business is where you are the genius, right? You could do the whole thing yourself if you had enough time, but you don't because you never scale on your time and no one's ever going to do it as good as you. They're not, you know, um, not only that, but by bringing them on, like you said, taking money out of your pocket, paying someone else when you could just be keeping that, you know, and what if they mess up and once again, they're never going to do it as good as you, you know, and so many people get stuck in that trap and they never scale because of it. You know, I've had people reach out to me, people who go through our marketing magic program who are like, listen, Esty, you know, I, I won't be able to hire because no one else is ever going to do the work as good as me. Can I still earn more money? So well, listen, that, that's a pretty loaded question. You're like, Esty, I won't earn any more money. So can I earn more money? Like it that's not actually how it works. First of all, there are options beyond hiring. It's one of the things that I teach. Um, but second of all, if you can never hire, then yeah, you'll never scale beyond your time limitations. And so I think, I think that it's so valuable. So what I'd love to know is what have you done? Because again, I've worked with people who have broken through this. I've worked with people who haven't broken through this, who, who run through bad hire after bad hire after bad hire because they expect it to be bad. And so they kind of create exactly what they expect to have happen. Right. Um, but it sounds like you, you've really moved with this. You have a team, you have people you trust. You're moving to a place where you can be. Um, you know, I always like to say I'm dispensable. My assistant said to me yesterday, she's like, she's like, Esty, how do we do this? And she's like, wait, I figured it out. I didn't even need you. I said, perfect. You know me. I'm happy to be dispensable. I don't need you to need me. In fact, one of my goals is that you don't. Yep. Um, so what, what have you done to move with this? Like, do you have mantras that you tell yourself? Like, cause, cause the struggle is real for so many people. Yeah. yeah I'll follow you. Um, here's what I tell myself. Two things. Um, Baba, Barbara Cochran, I think's her last name. She sits on shark tank. Um, yeah real estate mogul. I heard her about seven years ago, make a statement that's in the back of my head's nonstop. And this is one of my mantras. If you want to use that term, she said, um, I made a lot of money selling real estate, but I didn't come, I didn't become wealthy until I taught other people how to replace me. That's I'm, I'm mm. phrasing using, obviously butchering what she exactly says. So if she right. listens to this, I'm sorry, Barbara. Um, <clears throat> the other thing I had in my head is this, the McDonald's golden arch. I can remember as a little kid when they had hundreds and hundreds sold, hundreds and hundreds of thousands sold or anything, number of hamburgers at the McDonald's Brothers, the McDonald's Corporation had sold when I was like, you know, a little kid. Shows my age there. Now it just says trillions. It doesn't even say anymore, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, 
the McDonald's brothers, I bet made a heck of a better hamburger than the current McDonald's burger is. I believe yeah. I can make a better hamburger if I, than McDonald's personal opinion. Okay. Um, what McDonald's has done is interesting. They've taught 16 year olds how to cook French fries with 400 degree grease without burning the restaurant down in over however many stores across this entire world. The McDonald's brothers made a good hamburger, but Ray Kroc made a good system. If I truly want to reach my personal goals, then I'm going to have to have a system that it creates duplicity of myself. And I'm going to have to systematize every aspect of my businesses, plural, so that I am not the center of my business. And what my driving force is to overcome the fear of hiring people, to overcome the fear of growth, to overcome the fear of debt, to overcome the fear of whatever it is that the fear is that we would have as business owners has to be that mantra, has to be that ethos, that centrality to what gets us out of bed in the morning. And you're right. There are some good artists and business owners that they know how to do great craftsmanship. And that's their problem with that. You're, you're, but you're not going to have the same dream I have. And that's okay. But for my dream, it's that I want to create a business that doesn't require me. In order for me to do that, I got to swallow my pride, realize that others can't do it. And my opinion is better. But what I find out is if you hire the best people, they can do it actually better than us. The secret, secret. Okay. So that's those two, those two stories are the backdrop in my mind constantly. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. I have a line that that sticks with me really strong. Um, Cause for me, it was also, it was really hard to scale because I know that what we do in our company is so unique um, and trying to, you know, and I had this like, no one's ever going to work with anyone but me. So how could I hire anybody else? I'm like, right. you know what I noticed? Apparently they will. And apparently it works and they're finding success. Is it different? Yeah, it's a little different, but that's okay. And I have methodologies and I have systems and I train people in my systems. And once you can codify and the line that sits with me every time I start to get nervous of like, but is from Marianne Williamson in a poem that she wrote. And it, the, the piece of it that I love is your playing small does not serve the world. Yeah. Right? Cause yeah. my vision is to serve. I, I honestly want to help millions of people do what they love, earn buckets of money and have time for their life and family. Right. I cannot work one-on-one -on -one or even one-to-many with millions of people. If I don't automate this, if I don't train other people, if I don't get other people on board, I can't, I can't help anybody. It, the, I think the African proverb says, go fast, go along, go far, go together. Yeah. Okay. And that's exactly what you and I are saying. And so as business owners, it's a, it's an issue, right? We have to be, have to bootstrap it, so to speak, until we reach a certain level, whatever that certain level is for each in person. And then it becomes a, uh, almost a surreal moment of what's next. Yeah. Okay. I, I've been able to pay the bills now. Thanks. I'm not going to have to eat rice and beans anymore. Right. Uh, we're okay. What's next. And totally. then it's, then it's that clear destination of where are you headed and why are you going there? And it can't be about money. It can't. It never works. If you make money to God, it doesn't work. It has no, to be that because the heart doesn't understand money. Yet you got to have alignment of heart and mind. The That's only right. place that money lives is in the mind of man. 
animals don't understand money. Give it a dollar bill, it'll step on it, chew on it, shred it. Okay. I mean, the heart doesn't understand money. The heart understands feelings. How will I feel when I have that money? What will it right. feel like to have that house? What will it feel like to take the summer off? What will it feel like? You know, for me, I'm, I'm beach obsessed, right? So like, I always have to live in a coastal city. I, I don't know how I could ever live <laughs> anywhere else. Um, but like, I beach day once a month, right? So like, that's my vision. I get there once a quarter right now, but, <laughs> but I'm gonna get there once a month very soon because that's part of my goals. Um, yeah that I can do that without any consequence whatsoever. You know, the first time, the first time my business made money that wasn't my hours for dollars blew my mind. Yep. I was just like, wait, we earned money and I didn't do anything. That actually happened. And it wasn't a lot that first time. It wasn't a lot, but it was just like, wow. And it left a monumental mark on you, see? Yeah, it was and like, that, this is possible. And then at that point, you now had a business. You for the first time had a business that now that you're, a job. now the job yeah. is is to keep it even move it more to where now you own the business, and the only way you're going to own the business is to where that business can operate completely and autonomously without you. And now you have an asset that you can sell. I love it. I love it. All right. On that note, I feel like we could talk for hours more, but on that note, we're going to have to have you back another time. Sure. Um, where can everybody find you, find out more about you, reach out to you, work with you? Where's, where's the place for them to go? Sure. So uh, first thing I'd say is that on Amazon, we actually have our new book called The Ultimate Sale. It's available for purchase and it's in an audible download. So you can listen to me talk for like six hours. It's, it's awesome. It drives me crazy. My wife's <laughs> like, I am not listening to that, right? So it's the ultimate sale. It talks about how to build a business to sell. Love it. Okay? And then I was, I would force, I would ask people to look at Financially Simple. Financially Simple is the hub. It, it has, we have over 200 podcast episodes teaching. I'm a teacher by nature. As you probably could tell, I try not to geek talk. I'm sorry. I did that a little bit today. Oh, it's I try, fine. I try to break topics down to deal one topic and go dive deep without using industry terms. So you, Financially Simple has all the articles there, all the books, all the courses, the podcasts, all that stuff. And if you want to connect with me on social media, just Google my name. I'm out there. So feel free to connect with me. Love it. And guys, we'll put all of those links um, in the show notes, uh, wherever you're listening to this podcast or at sdrand.com slash 83. Um, we'll put links to Justin's site and his podcast and his Amazon book and all that fun stuff. Um, so Justin, I like to surprise my guests at the end, a tiny sure. little thing um, to ask for a quote. So you gave us a good one by Barbara Cochran or your version of it. So you can lean on that if you want to. Um, or if you have a quote in mind, it doesn't have to be a favorite one of all time, but it can be. And I didn't yep. warn you, uh, but I love quotes. Sure. So the quote I would say is actually from the Bible. I actually have a post published in our conference room here. It says, seest thou a man diligent in his work, he will stand before Kings. Seest thou a man diligent. In other words, if you see an individual who loves what they do, he's going to go places. I love that. That is just an awesome, awesome wrap up. Justin, thank you so much for joining me. This has been so, so valuable, really. Thank you for having me. I've enjoyed it. It's been fun. Now, this has been amazing. And guys, for all of you listening, this was power, power packed. And, you know, subscribe, duh. <laughs> Someone actually said to me, she called me, she's like, Esty, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a rule breaker. Every time at the end of your podcast, you say, well, guys, of course you're subscribed. And like, I know you're subscribed. She's like, I want to unsubscribe because you're telling me what to do and I don't want to do it. I'm like, listen, honey, I can't help them all. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. right. Um, so guys, don't subscribe. 
be a rule breaker. Don't subscribe. <laughs> That's like saying, um, don't think about the pink elephant, right? Exactly. I always say, don't think about blue. Don't think about blue. Don't think about blue. Do you not know how to listen? <laughs> think about green. Um, but you know, as I've been telling you, you know someone who needs to hear this. You know someone who's being pitched all different kinds of financial planning and investment and debt management products and insurances. Um, you know someone who might have paid taxes this year and they might not have had to or they paid way too much. Share this with them. Hit that share button on your iTunes, on your Stitcher, on your Spotify, wherever you're listening to this, or just send them a link, strand.com slash 83, dot com slash 83, so that you can share the love and the knowledge and the wisdom and the financial growth that you and they are going to get from this. And we are going to catch you next week. Justin, thank you again. This was awesome. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to the Business Breakthrough Podcast with SD Rand. If you're looking for a breakthrough in your business, reach out at sdrand.com slash breakthrough to be a guest on the show. Everyone's got a business struggle. What's yours?